What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number seven of the Blue Shoes Fitness Radio Podcast. I am Coach Jay, and today we are talking about the top three struggles when dieting and their solutions, of course, because it really doesn't do much good just to point out the struggles because you already know how tough dieting can be. So um, this is a little bit of a uh, an ad-libbed uh, episode here. I have a, a couple brief notes of just some basic points that I wanted to talk on, uh, but I wanted to uh, just kind of expand on it organically as things come to mind. Um, and so I wanted to walk you through uh, what I've noticed as a coach with working uh, with dozens and dozens and dozens of clients uh, over the years in different capacities, online and uh, in person for one-on-one training, for group training, for group classes for corporate wellness, all those kinds of things. Um, I've uh, pieced together a number of uh, different struggles that uh, I, just common threads that I see running throughout each of these uh, groups. And I wanted to share those with you along with um, a, uh, a proposed solution for each one, if you will. Um, and uh, not to give too much of a spoiler here, um, but we're talking about top three struggles and really the first two kind of boil down to uh, what we're going to be talking about in the third struggle, which is kind of the overarching theme of all this. So we'll get to that when we get to it. But um, let's talk about it in terms of uh, the three struggles that I seem to notice um, that clients deal with the most and that uh, most people cite uh, as the struggles that they deal with before they come on board with uh, training with Blue Shoes Fitness. So um, so here we go. The first struggle uh when dieting is hunger, um, and that should come as no surprise that that is a a big issue that a lot of people will deal with, um, and and a lot of that comes from a place of over restricting uh, and unnecessarily restricting, uh, and over restricting maybe comes from uh, people just not eating enough, where they go crazy. January first comes around and they just cut their intake, you know, in half, or they just cut it all the way down to less than what's essential. Um, and that's probably not a great way of, you know, of going about it. Um, but then the other side of things might be unnecessarily restricting. So maybe it's not so much a matter of quantity. Maybe it's a matter of they are cutting out the things that, uh, would normally fill up the majority of their diet. So, um, they might, uh, be, you know, losing weight and maybe even just water weight quickly. Uh, but, uh, they are, uh, wicked hungry while they're doing it and and you know that usually leads to a um a restriction binge cycle over and over and over again and so uh, we're trying to avoid both of those right um i uh i'm one of the coaches on and i don't know that it has to really be a battle of sorts but i am definitely on team diet um as far as uh you, you see a lot of people that are all against dieting and all of that as a whole they just say that's a that's a terrible word it's a curse word get it out of here um, we need to uh, it, rule it out. But I certainly think that um, if we can just reframe what the word means and, and how we approach it, that we don't have to get rid of uh, the word diet as a whole. So anyway, that's a little bit of a soapbox, but um, uh, let's get back to it. So hunger is the struggle that a lot of people will cite as being an obstacle to successful dieting. And my proposed solution um, that I find works well, um, and this is a little bit general, but we'll talk about specifics, is increasing your food volume. Um, and and we, we already know, we've covered this in previous episodes as well as pretty much any uh, social media platform that you've seen of mine. Um, uh, 
we know that creating a calorie deficit is the only way to uh, uh, to lead to meaningful fat loss, uh, and not just weight loss, but fat loss specifically, which is most what most of us are are going for. Um, and so, uh, when you talk about calories on that level, uh, we can't just uh, always decrease calories, of course, because that's when you read uh, you know lead into restrictive cycles. Um, but we also can't just obviously increase calories because past a certain point, you're going to be in a surplus. Uh, but we can increase your food volume and work to increase the volume, the, the physical amount of food that you're eating um, without increasing your calories either at all or substantially. And there are a couple ways of doing that. Um, uh, high volume foods um, that are going to be um, high volume uh, uh, and high nutrient density without being highly uh, calorically dense, um, they have a couple of characteristics uh, in common. And this is a uh, kind of a Venn diagram of sorts where you have some overlap um, and you have some things that are synonymous and, and and some things that are maybe mutually exclusive, but you can take this for what it's worth. Um, a lot of um, uh, high volume foods are going to be protein rich because protein is going to be the most satiating macronutrient out there uh, as opposed to carbs or certainly as opposed to fats. Uh, fats are going to have double the calories for, um, uh, for or more than double the calories for very uh, a small percentage of the satiating effects um, that carbs or specifically protein would have. Um, a, a lot of high volume foods are going to be uh, high in fiber as well. Um, and, and fiber just kind of adds bulk to your diet. Um, it doesn't get digested, so it's really not going to add very much in the way of calories, but it's going to add um, uh, just uh, you know, physical uh, amounts of food in, in the form of fiber. So think of like fibrous vegetables, things like that. As opposed to non-starchy, or as opposed to starchy vegetables, we're talking about like non-starchy. So things like uh, broccoli, zucchini, carrots, uh, you know, pretty much anything bright green, uh, most bright orange things, most bright red things, you know, things like that. Um, anyway, uh, so high protein, high fiber, uh, high water content. So again, this is partially why vegetables are so great in this case for increasing food volume, uh, for physically uh, taking up more room in your stomach to uh, to f help you feel more full. Um, and, and water is a great way of doing that, uh, whether it's through food or just by increasing your water intake. Um, and then air, um, as well. So, um, vegetables might be a, a good example of this as well. Um, simply because of the amount of, uh, chewing that you're having to do with vegetables, um, especially raw vegetables, um, you're intaking a lot of air as you're going along, uh, as you're eating. And so that air is going to take up room in your stomach. Um, this is another great reason why, uh, why foods like, uh, popcorn, uh, can be such a great tool to use because, uh, they're filled with air and that's literally, uh, just about all that they are. There's not a whole lot of calories in popcorn itself. Um, it's most of the calories are going to come from if you, uh, you cook it in oil and stuff like that. But, um, but air, uh, and increasing your air intake, as weird as that sounds, um, can be a great way of, of combating hunger as well. Um, and one interesting thing that you can kind of use as a takeaway from all of this here too, um, if you've never heard of the satiety index, that would be a great place to start. Um, it was from a study in 1995 and it rated, uh, uh, foods, uh, satiating effects and, you know, the, how full you would feel after eating these foods, um, relative to, uh, white bread, uh, was their, their kind of baseline. Um, and so then they chose to use, uh, portions that were 240 calories worth of, uh, whatever the food was, and they used dozens of different foods. And so then they ranked them as being more satiating, 
or less satiating than white bread and then kind of rank them from top to bottom. And uh, the top foods on this uh, uh, chart that, that was created, this index, um, all had uh, those very characteristics, uh, high protein, high fiber, high water, high air, um, you know, one or more of those characteristics. Um, and so the top five of those uh, uh, foods from the satiety index, um, I'll give you the, the very first one uh, here in a second. I'll, I'll give you a second if you can think if you can guess it. Um, but number two was white fish. Um, number three was oats or oatmeal. Number four was oranges. Uh, and number five was apples. Uh, number one on the list of the most satiating food per calorie um, is one of my favorite foods. Um, and it's probably not going to be a huge surprise to you unless you're just uh, blanking on it, you know, thinking about it here. Uh, but potatoes were number one. And not only were they number one, but they were way, way, way number one. <laughs> they were um, uh, number one by a mile. Um, they were, you know, 300 something percent more satiating than a lot of the other foods on the list. Um, and uh, for the number of calories that you'd be getting. And so anyway, um, so you, you take that as you will, you can fill up on potatoes if you need to, but potatoes are going to be high in uh, higher in fiber because and starch because they're going to be carbohydrates rich so they're going to be um lower calorie because of the low fat um and and they're going to have just a high amount of volume they're going to carry a good amount of water weight and air weight uh, or uh, air volume as well so anyway so potatoes that's that's your takeaway here <laughs> um okay so number two on the top three struggles uh when dieting is boredom and uh what we're talking about here is a matter of uh eating because you're bored, uh, not boredom with your diet as a whole. And we're going to talk about that in here in a second, but, uh, but boredom, uh, from a matter of, uh, of eating and specifically snacking, uh, because you're bored. Um, and, and the solution to that, and again, you can adjust this as you need to, but the solution to boredom is to address the boredom directly. Um, uh, bored eating, eating when you're bored or snacking when you're bored just means more calories and it still doesn't fix your boredom. Uh, it may pass a few minutes of time, uh, but if you've ever noticed how quickly you can put down uh, some snacks or uh, you know just mindlessly grabbing a handful of whatever your favorite uh, in-between meals food is, um, it is so incredibly easy to put down hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of calories uh, in a matter of minutes without even realizing it. And now you still have, you know, your initial reason for whatever, it, you know, why ever it was that you were bored to begin with. Uh, so addressing boredom directly is definitely going to be uh, the best way to do that. And I'm not going to tell you how to uh, manage your schedule and your lifestyle. That's not my uh, expertise. That would be way out of my lane. Uh, but, uh, but addressing the boredom directly is definitely going to be a great way to do that. Um, an interesting note that I had, that uh, I had thought about when putting together some notes for this, um, and I cannot for the life of me remember where I heard this. So if you're listening to this and you have heard this somewhere else too, let me know because I'd love to give them credit. Um, I believe that it was from Sean Baker, who was the uh, creator and author of the Carnivore Diet, which is exactly what it sounds like of pretty much in almost exclusively eating uh, meat and meat products, um, as, as opposed to, uh, filling up on, uh, uh, you know, processed foods or grains or things like that, or even a lot of vegetables. But anyway, um, I, I believe it was him. And if not, then that's all good. Then, uh, 
somebody much smarter than me made this comment um, of that if you are thinking that you um, are hungry, um, you should ask yourself, uh, does a steak sound good? right now. Um, And if a steak sounds good, then that's probably a good sign that you are hungry. Um, And and that, you know, if you ate, whether it was a steak or not, if you ate something that that would help, uh, you know, satisfy your hunger. Uh, But if you uh, do not think that a steak sounds good in the moment, that's probably a sign that you're not actually hungry, uh, but that you might actually just be bored. And, And again, in that case, uh, addressing the boredom directly. Um, I thought that was a pretty funny quote. Um, and that's definitely a misquote from an unknown, uh, person. <laughs> um, but, but that was the general idea and, and you can adapt that to whatever your situation looks like, but thinking, you know, if you have, uh, uh, and I, I'm guilty of doing this, uh, I do this to myself on purpose, but I do it to my wife as well. A lot of, um, if she'll say that she's hungry, um, I'll, I'll make a comment about this. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. I'll make a comment about the satiety index and be like, well, potatoes are number one. So does a potato sound good right now? Do you want me to make you some potatoes? Or I'll ask myself that kind of, uh, rhetorically too. Um, and that's usually a pretty good gauge of if hunger is the issue or if it's a matter of something else. And usually that ends up just being a a matter of boredom. So anyway, there is that side of it. So, um, just as a practical takeaway, uh, apply this to your life, however you will, um, fill your schedule with meaningful or exciting activities. Um, and if you have downtime, uh, maybe even learn to embrace the downtime and, and slow down for a minute, um, and, and not feel this, uh, this impulse that you that you need to just always be filling every second of your day um, and that slowing down might be a good idea but again that's a little bit out of my lane I'll stay in my lane uh, so that is the second struggle um, one thing that I mentioned a few minutes ago was the idea of uh, boredom with your diet um, and a lot of people will cite this as being a reason why they struggle with dieting is they just say wow it's just so boring you know they're always eating chicken rice and broccoli um, and and you know that's the this the stereotypical bodybuilding diet um, but they say that they're just bored with their diet and they can never stick to it because they're so bored with it and I want to be sensitive, of course. <laughs> I want to be sensitive as a coach because that's part of what my job is as a coach and not just a like a trainer. Um, but this is a bit of a, a fake problem. Um, being bored with your diet is a little bit of a fake problem uh, because it's totally self-imposed. Um, if you're just eating the same things over and over again to the point where you are bored with those foods, um, it's entirely within your power to switch it up. Um, and you may then have a a uh you know a, a comeback to that of saying well you don't know how to cook other things or you don't have the budget to you know go uh, out to eat or to cook more expensive meals or you don't have the time to cook more involved meals or whatever it is um there are a lot of ways around all of this and there are even more excuses and so it's going to be really a matter of you just putting uh rolling your sleeves up and getting down and dirty and and doing whatever it is, the work that you need to do. So um, I would suggest that boredom with your diet is really not a a real problem, <laughs> so to speak, um, but that the, the real crux of all of this um, is that, and, and this is where we're getting into point number three, the, the third struggle that uh, I think that all of this really kind of boils down to, um, is that The real dissatisfaction um, is not from boredom with your diet, but it's a matter of not seeing results. 
Um, and, and I'll tell you from personal experience with working with so many clients over the years that most current or pre- previous clients uh, do not mind eating similar or even the same meals each day as long as they're getting uh, results and as long as they're seeing those results and as long as it's matching the amount of effort that they're putting into their program. Um, uh, this holds true, I can't even think of a specific single person who this is not held true for, but um, but it just seems to be that if you are getting results, um, that it becomes more and more motivating to go, okay, what else can I do to either speed up the process or to get better results um, uh, or to work on multiple things, multiple goals at the same time? Um, and in that eating similar or even the same foods day in and day out, um, a, a lot of people tend to uh, kind of a, even appreciate the simplicity of it all to where it's one less decision they have to make each day. Um, they don't have to sit there and, uh, you know, do all this complicated math behind each meal, um, or anything like that. And so, um, uh, I would propose with all of this that, um, that the issue may not be boredom related. It may not be just that you're bored. It may be that you are somewhat bored and that you are not getting results. And so now you're focusing on the boredom itself and you're going, man, I'm not getting results and this is not my preferred way of eating. Why am I even doing this? Um, As opposed to the mentality of if you are getting great results, um, even if you're not eating uh, the most luxurious diet, you can you can sit there and tell yourself, okay, this is worth it for the time being because I'm getting results, and once I reach my goal, then I'll be able to reassess and readjust and do all of that on there. Um, and, and so that's a really powerful mindset when you realize that whatever it is that you're doing, um, especially if it's just for something short term or if it's uh, for a very specific reason, you know, outside of uh, weight loss and body composition alone, um, you have a number of different factors that come into play there, but. The point stands um, that uh, uh, that getting results is uh, is really what all of this comes down to, um, and and so that's the third struggle that we're going to talk about here is not seeing results. And what's the solution to that? Well, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to see results. Um, but the you can change the the habits and the actions that you're doing behind that in order to help lead to results. Um, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna say this here. So if not seeing results is the struggle, that we're gonna say tracking and patching are the solutions for those. And we're gonna talk about both of those here. So um, tracking and patching, and the idea is tracking multiple measures, multiple variables across the board to see where your leaks are at in your diet, um, in uh, your workouts, in your sleep, your stress, whatever it is, your, your entire life, you're gonna be looking uh, for those, those leaks, you're gonna be tracking all these different variables, and then you're going to be patching up those leaks and those holes um, in an effort to uh, make sure that your system that you're working on uh, in, in the strategy that you're using for weight loss or building muscle or whatever it is, whatever your reason for dieting, um, that uh, it's airtight, it's watertight, and that you are able to hold on to that consistently enough to be able to get results. Um, so the very first thing that I would recommend, and really, I don't want to say the only thing, but um, but this is, again, number one by a long shot, um, is tracking your calories. And, um, and there are, again, kind of from the, the anti-diet community, um, there are a lot of people who, uh, uh, feel like tracking calories is obsessive or, um, like it can lead to, um, disordered eating habits and things like that. And I don't want to downplay that because that is a very real, uh, 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 possibility for certain populations that have hit certain histories of their relationship with food and all of that. So you got to take this with a grain of salt. 
you know, with your own situation. And if you're listening to this here and you have a history of disordered eating, or maybe you currently um, are, are dealing with that, um, this podcast right here is not for you specifically. And, and, uh, this is the opportunity to be able to reach out for um, some professional help as well. So anyway, uh, but if that is not you, if you have um, and have been working on a great relationship with your food, um, but maybe you are uh, a little bit clueless as to how much you are actually eating, tracking your calories is going to be a great place to start for that. Um, And just like if you were, I don't know, trying to get out of debt, or if you had some kind of financial savings goal that you were looking forward to, um, you would track your spending, you would track your income, you would track your your spending, you know, your outcome, um, and and you would see where your money is going, where it's coming from, where it's going, and you'd be looking for areas where you can, you know, patch up the leaks and the holes um, in your budgeting. Um, it works the exact same way with calories in your calorie budgeting, of looking for areas in your diet where uh, you may not be getting the biggest bang for your buck calorie-wise, and that kind of goes back to the the very first point about um, you know, food volume. Think about, are there foods that you eat on a regular basis or maybe even just in large quantities on an infrequent basis um, where you are getting a lot of calories and not much of a payoff. And whether it's a matter of you're not feeling very full after it or maybe you just feel sick uh, you know, after eating so much of a certain food um, or it leads to uh, a stomach ache or, or something like that to where you're now not able to get in a good quality workout afterward, things like that. These are the kinds of thought processes that you can go through through when assessing and investigating for these leaks and and working to patch those up. Um, and, And a couple of common leaks that I tend to see areas where people's diets are, quote, leaking. Uh, one of them is snacking, um, and that tends to be a, a huge source of excess calories. Um, and there's nothing wrong with snacking, of course, um, but it's a matter of uncontrolled, mindless snacking that tends to get people into trouble. Um, I could easily snack on thousands, like literally thousands of calories worth of trail mix or those peanut butter filled pretzels from Costco. Those are my favorite. Um, I could easily put down a couple thousand calories of those uh, while waiting for dinner to cook or uh, just because I was bored in between uh, breakfast and lunch, you know, things like that. And and if I weren't tracking those or if I had no idea, if I had blotted that out of my mind and had no idea that I was getting so many calories from uh, that source, then, uh, then that would be a great place to start, right? It's not about cutting out carbs. It's not about um, even cutting out entire foods or food groups. I don't have to cut out peanut butter pretzels, but if I reduce my portions, that might be a great place to start if I know and I find out that I'm overeating like crazy. Um, so snacking is a huge one. Um, uh, uh, drinks as a whole, uh, beverages, uh, drink calories uh, are a great uh, uh, source of <laughs> a great source of extra calories. Um, and that's, that's going to be another great place to look. Uh, are you getting lots of extra calories from uh, things like alcohol? It's really easy uh, for a lot of people to put down uh, a, you know, half a dozen or a dozen beers in a row. And when you start adding those calories up, they really do add up, even if it's a light beer. Um, uh, even things uh, that a lot of people would consider to be, you know, quote, healthy as far as juices or milks. Um, that can be, again, it's extra calories, and you can certainly fit that into your calorie budget, but if you are uh, drinking a half gallon of milk a day or an entire uh, thing of orange juice or cranberry juice you know, every day or every couple of days, um, uh, you may be getting hundreds if not thousands of extra calories without really knowing it and without, again, uh, feeling 
uh, more full from having done that. Um, and so that might be a matter of looking at portion sizes. It might be a matter of looking at how many meals you are including those drinks at, all of that kind of stuff too. Um, eating out, of course, um, uh, uh, fast food calories and even sit-down restaurant calories uh, tend to be, uh, the meals tend to be much, much, much higher calorie than uh, most people would even imagine or estimate. Um, and that is uh, kind of the it's not the double-edged sword, but it's the it's two two cons on the same side of the sword. <laughs> um, is that uh, the meals tend to be higher calorie and they tend to be harder to track as well. And in this investigative process of looking for um, uh, the leaks in your diet, um, uh, eating out can really complicate things again because you might be taking, you know, two or three or four or five times the amount of calories that you would normally take in uh, because of those meals. Or, you know, you may uh, think about uh, if you, uh, you know, uh, let's just say for a pizza, um, if you had a couple of slices of pizza from a, a, you know, a fast food chain versus if you made it at home, um, it's not so much that uh, one is going to be vastly different than the other in terms of ingredients and things like that, but you may use a lot less uh, in the way of uh, cooking oils and butters and things like that to where even if you had something that felt fairly equivalent from uh, eating out versus making it at home, you might be saving a lot of calories just by making it at home. So that might be one place to start. Portion sizes, of course, that's going to be another place to look at. Um, and, and so uh, when you have control over what you're eating in terms of if you're making it at home or um, uh, what we're going to and what I'm going to mention here in a second too, um, you have a little bit more of an I accurate idea of what it is that you're eating rather than being so surprised that uh, your Cheesecake Factory uh, appetizer, drink, entree, and dessert had 5,000 calories. You know, that, that's going to add up real quick. Um, uh, just the weekends tend to be a, a place where people will struggle just because of so socializing uh, and social events that uh, are centered around food. Um, and so, and that kind of leads into the last point here of consistency overall. So maybe you are having two or three or four or five days uh, during the week where you are on par in your calorie deficit, but then the weekend comes into play or, uh, you know, a stressful, uh, late night at work or you're studying for finals or whatever it is. And, and, and these are, you know, I'm not talking about isolated incidents here. I'm not talking about having um, some cake on your birthday or anything like that. I'm talking about things that are, uh, uh, repeating, uh, and frequent, uh, events or processes or things that go on in your life where you go, oh, wait a second, um, you know, Taco Friday or Taco Tuesday or whatever it is, um, that might be adding up, uh, you know, and working against me in this case, um, if you're not aware of it. Um, and so uh, you may be consistent for a length of time, but then you may uh, uh, really kind of uh, uh, disproportionately uh, eat or drink on certain days of the week or certain days of the month or after certain events or whatever it is, you know, you know you best. Um, uh, but that can be, um, that can really aid in that struggle for sure. Um, uh, one last thing that I wanted to mention. So uh, tracking your calories is going to be a great place to start with all of this in terms of getting results and seeing results. Um, if you are tracking your calories, and this is a scenario that I hear a lot, if you are tracking your calories, you've been doing that for weeks, um, and, and not just a, a day or two in a row, I'm talking about weeks on end, um, consistently, every single day you're tracking it, and you are hitting your calorie deficit each and every day, and you are not seeing any progress on the scale. Um, 
that's a common scenario. Um, I, I hear uh, the, the, the stereotypical cases, uh, a, a female client will, um, will come to me and say, I've been eating 1200 calories, you know, every single day for the last six months. And I have not lost any weight. I'm trying to lose, you know, 20, 30, 40 pounds, and I have not lost any weight. I've been eating 1200 calories. So that's where I start to look at them tracking calories and all of that. We start to look at their diet history and all those kinds of things. It's a little bit more complex than that, but that's the the general idea. However, if that's the case and everything seems to be checking out, but the numbers still aren't adding up, the next place to look is to assess your tracking accuracy. So to assess the accuracy of uh, of your tracking methods and strategies. Um, are you, uh, you know, weighing things out versus eyeballing things versus measuring them by volume? Um, are you eating out often and then trying to adjust and estimate what those calories uh, from those meals look like? Or are you mostly cooking at home um, and you and then you can scan your barcodes and you can input your whole food items, things like that? Um, there are a, a lot of different ways that that scenario can play out. But looking at the accuracy of your tracking methods can definitely uh, make uh, for a big uh, a big improvement um, in this area. And one of the, the one of the specific things that comes to mind that I see a lot is a lot of people, as far as the accuracy goes, uh, forget to and not intentionally, of course, but they forget to track their their cooking oils and butters. Um, so they may be making a piece of chicken um, and some vegetables uh, in a saute pan, for example, um, and they may log it as 50 calories worth of vegetables and you know 200 calories worth of uh, chicken, and bam, they got their, themselves a 250 calorie meal, perfect, all good, no problem. Um, but what they may not be realizing is that they're using three tablespoons of butter or three tablespoons of olive oil or oil of some kind in order to cook the chicken and vegetables. And now they have more than doubled their calories for that meal. And if that's a meal that they eat often or every single day or even multiple times a day, that's going to add up like crazy. Um, and and that's a, a one of the specific examples that comes to mind where I, I it, there's a lot of aha moments that go on around that. Um, one final thing that I wanted to um, to mention on here, and this is something that I found a couple days ago. Um, I don't know if you are familiar with Brett Contreras, the glute guy. Um, he is a phenomenal um, uh, exercise scientist and instructor um, uh, across all social media platforms. Um, he's an author and a and he works in a lot of laboratory and clinical settings. Um, and I saw a post of his earlier this week that I thought that was worth sharing with you. Um, he has a very simple uh, coaching tool that I'm like, oh yeah, I actually have used that a number of times and uh, didn't really uh, consider the fact that other people might be doing the same. Um, but he was saying that in scenarios like this where you know someone comes to him and says, hey, I've been eating in a huge calorie deficit for weeks and months on end, all of that, yada, 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 um, and not losing weight, not losing fat, what, you know, what's going on, clearly this isn't working. Um, and he challenges uh, those people, and of course, after a lot of investigation and, and all of that, um, he often challenges his clients to eat exclusively, 100%, to eat only prepackaged foods for a week or a week and a half. Um, that way, when you're tracking your calories, you just scan your barcode and it inputs your uh, meal right in there. There's no room for error uh, on your part, you know, on that. Um, unless I guess you you messed up the like serving sizes or things like that. But you know what I'm talking about here. Of this is a matter of rather than adding in a ton of different ingredients to a dish and then trying to add it all up and then divide it out, um, you're just going off of prepackaged foods. Um, and so uh, that might be. 
frozen vegetables, frozen uh, produce, um, uh, frozen proteins, uh, prepackaged, uh, single serving, you know, snacks or uh, breakfast items or whatever it is, um, or, or even with drinks, you know, single serving a, a bottle of this, a can of this, a carton of that, um, things like that, and tracking using that exclusively. And more often than not, that leads to a number of aha moments as well, um, where, uh, again, there may have been some unforeseen leaks that need patching. Um, and of course, you don't have to do that long term, and, and there's nothing magical about prepackaged foods, aside from the fact that somebody else on the the food company's side of it has already done the work for you of the nutrition that you're getting from that food. Um, and you don't have to worry about doing any of that math on that side of it. So anyway, that was uh, just kind of a neat little practical tidbit that I thought was worth sharing with you here. Um, but that is what I have for you on our top three struggles uh, when dieting and their solutions. Um, and so just to reiterate, the top three struggles that we went over, we went over hunger, boredom, and not seeing results. And uh, in that same order, the solutions that we talked about were increasing your food volume by one way or another, addressing boredom directly, um, and tracking and patching uh, areas in your diet. So that's what I got for you for today. Thanks for tuning in to this brand new episode of Blue Shoes Fitness Radio Podcast. Um, I'm so thankful for all of you that are listening to this, especially uh, during this crazy time that we're all in right now. And I'm just glad to uh, uh, that, we're, that we're so connected, you know, via social media, uh, via audio messages like this. And I don't know, it's just a wild and crazy time, but we're doing what we can. And I am so thankful to be your online coach in all of this. So that's what, as I spill my water, um, as we're trying to end this here. Um, that's what I have for you today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day or week or wherever you're at in your day or week. And I will talk to each of you soon. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, this is Coach Jay and we'll talk to you soon.